0: We are recording. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Boom. Uh,
1: Let's see. Well, welcome, interwebs, to uh, a very special episode of Big Bottom, (laughs) where this week Tony finds out he has sunglasses on his head. What? All along. I know. Who knew? That's where they were. Who knew? It, <laughs> it, was the, uh, it was the mid-season twist nobody saw coming. It was so, building up. It was like, right. Uh, but actually, you'll see what I did here. Speaking of things no one saw coming, we had a killer, killer show with uh, Lee Pressgrave and Jim Bergantino yeah. talking about, um, you know, the, the thought process and everything behind um, the cabinets uh, and specifically the, uh, the B-Amp. Which I, I personally, anytime somebody uses the phrase game changer in their marketing, I immediately write it off because I think it's overused and overplayed. However, by them saying that the B-Amp is a game changer, it's not a lie. It's, it's completely legit.
2: I was impressed. I was totally impressed when he talked about what he uses for the DI. And mm-hmm. yeah the bluetooth functionality for the pedal and like how you could possibly potentially in the future assign uh page
0: turners to the other to the other buttons and so forth that got me excited i it, it's crazy remember when i got this amp i told you guys it was like you guys this has a bluetooth fucking foot pedal literally mm-hmm. there's no it's bluetooth i can just be over here and i can go mute blah blah whatever
1: well and according then, to lee you can also turn on and off your ceiling fan
0: yes you can <laughs> Boom. Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> no, but, but in the, I, I mean, it, and then you saw the raddest thing is um, Jim Bergantino is like mad scientist, but he's a mad mm-hmm. scientist that really listens to players and people, which is, yeah, which is sometimes you get that engineer mind that has that hubris, that engineer hubris that is so like this, mm-hmm. and they miss the other stuff, and Jim. Thank God for Lee. Lee bounces him out. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, I mean, Bergantino's been around forever. I mean, that guy, everything he's done is is great. It's been good mm-hmm. ever since the inception. And he even admits, he's like, I'm not a player, but I listen. You know, yep. he listens. So that's, I, I was blown away, man. He had some things that he was saying that literally, I, I, I don't know if, it just, my, my mind was blown. Yeah. Was this rad. is definitely a, a deep dive type of uh of interview today it was nerding to i I, it was gnarly it was awesome out of body Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh before so we have some sponsors don't we kids yes we We have some sponsors we do uh steve who's the first sponsor today let's say a badass strap we always talk about straps italia leather ho Italia leather. Look These at that. These guys are great. Yeah. They'll work with you. Michael at Italia has become a buddy. I called him today, but um, it's Italia. Italia and they
2: tracks. even do custom
0: work. Like I do fixed lengths. Tony's. Tony, nice. Tony. Yeah. His is fixed length, which they did. They had it out in two weeks. Not even. Not even that. For a Not even
2: so. I'm on yeah. the east coast or the west
0: coast. I had a week and a half later, and they're right.
1: on. They're in half of that's probably shipping. So I know, they right that yeah. out.
0: So they cut it. They're in um, northern California or mid California, mid somewhere around there. I don't know. Central like, Coast, yeah. I believe. Yeah, Central and Coast. It's kind uh, of a wine and black. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I, I like chocolate. The, I love the suede oh, because it grips.
1: Oh, nice. Sure. But
0: they, but they do a leather backing also if you like the more. That's sli- what I have. I have a leather back. You like leather back? I like suede. Yeah. Mine is adjustable, Tony's isn't. So it's like four inch, and I think they do a two inch. They do a nice. A, I think it's, so
2: it's four and two and a half.
0: Yeah. So italiastraps.com, they always have a two for one deal. So if you go on italiastraps.com and go to on sale now, there's always a buy, buy one get one free code so you have to look for that um, they are ama- I, I my new favorite strap i have two of them going to get more but give Italiastraps.com a shout Oh man, I'm, i've got four of these yeah four i have two john's going to get a couple um I, but yes okay. i am yeah <laughs> but they're uh, they're a sponsor they're one of our sponsors all right one of our sponsors
1: Tony, who is sponsor number two? I would say
2: the other sponsor is Music Area. Music Area bags. Oh, my God. How is ironic that we all have Music Area bags.
1: What a coincidence.
2: Unbelievable. And we all had them right now.
0: Yes. So, they're, they're amazing. So they that are, get in there? Mm-hmm. Oh, ooh, another nice plug. I like it. I like it. They actually just put out, um, have a new website, musicarea.com, where you can order right online. Um, they are in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in very far from Wuhan. <laughs> they definitely yeah. are. But we all ooh. met Sconi Su. Uh, we all met him at Nam, and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. Yeah. I that guy fly with...
2: Um, I tuck my straps in,
0: Got it. and then
2: I literally will put my hand in here and
0: yeah. carry it through. I kind of like that, like boop, 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 boop. I think we are base case nerds because we really, all of us are we're working musicians. Yeah, just a little bit, right, just John? Just a little bit. But, but we really, we require uh, certain things in base, in, in cases that some people don't get. And I won't mention the big one. One of the biggest, kind of missing some stuff. And these guys get it from, for me, the dead giveaway. This handle is the most, one of the most important for me. Because when I'm going to my car, I want that front handle so I can put it in the front seat. And there's manufacturers out there that are like, oh, it's not a big deal. No, it's a big effing deal. Yeah. I definitely like uh,
2: being able to tuck straps. Yep. Um, uh, cause I'm in a tight room. So I want to be able to not have my straps get hung up on everything. Yeah. There is a boot on the, you know, oh.
1: and this is actually, I think they're, I would say lower model, okay. but I mean, what I like on this is this is just simplicity at its best, but at the same time, it's functional, super, super sturdy. John, what's you the back know? of that look like? The back of that's basically just like this. Now, it doesn't tuck the straps in, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I do like it if you can, because I'll usually tuck one end and have just the other one over the shoulder. Yeah. But this is my um, my easy, everyday, got to grab and go to like the theater, drop it uh, into the office or something like that. I'll just throw it into this bag here. Yeah, they're doing
0: it right. They also... They do a lot of OEM for big boutique companies. um, And they have done that for a long time. So they are an OEM company. Is there candy in yours? There was, there was. (laughs) Dude, is that grandma candy? Is that, you got a butterscotch in the, in the. (laughs) Ooh. I, I like the, uh, I like the. (laughs) I like the old stale butterscotch better at the bottom of grandma's purse. Like here, Sonny. Take well, me. you know, <laughs> it's constantly. This is like
2: the um, a rehearsal bag all the time for me and my flight bag, which is weird. I don't know how many bags I have. Yeah. And um, Well, rehearsal's a tight area, so I'm like,
0: always oh, get some <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So we got musicarea.com and italiastraps.com. Was that right? straps. Both okay.
2: wonderful companies. Check them out. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: So and feel
2: free uh, me, you know, to mention yeah. the Big Bottom, if you want. Yeah.
0: yeah. Please do. Please mention when you uh, go to and buy a lot of stuff from them. So, yeah. All right, boys. How So, how else are you guys go, doing? We're at the uh, – what, what is this? Right now, today, May 13th, we're kind of in on this, uh, you know, quarantine. A slow day. reopen, I yeah. guess. GHS slow reopen. You guys are –
1: today we were a hundred percent uh back
0: nice so
1: and from what i've heard um kicking out strings left and right doing what we can so and
0: tony you got a good you got good news for rehearsal i have
2: i have gigs um next week nice Well, studio recordings wow Mm -hmm. so i'm really happy one of the big studios i work with is also associated with the school of rock and it's also associated to a large Uh, rehearsal complex um i've been recording there a bunch and i'll be working over there again so i'm real excited (sighs) and hopefully we'll see i don't want to talk about too much about what's going to happen theater wise it could open
0: we'll wait and see what happens (laughs) you know you know good but it's looking up which is great Thankfully, when
2: we're taught, when I'm getting notifications about it, that means it's on someone's
0: mind. Nice. Yep. So. Yeah, and Southern California is slowly opening. I mean, it's you know, it's good, and GNL is starting to ramp up, and you know, cross the fingers, man. I think we're on the the, the tail end of this. You know, I have a, a
2: post specifically about this that I posted today. If you guys, okay. mm-hmm. ads, yeah, I don't
0: know if you
2: read it. Um, I did,
1: and then when I saw the the uh, song that you put on it, I was like, God damn, Tony. Good call. Good call.
2: I love, I love
0: those guys. I love fishbone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, dude, so good, man. Well, cool, gentlemen. This was a little bit of a. Um, this was uh, after dark. After dark,
1: big it bottom. After
0: dark. dark. For us right now, it is nine
2: thirty nine on the east coast. Steve, it's like six thirty-nine <laughs> out
1: there. And it's Buffalo You're Trace Glory. It's Buffalo it's Trace. Blurry. It's because the, the, the camera already had some Buffalo Trace too. Buffalo
0: Trace. They would be a good sponsor also, Buffalo Trace. We really like you.
1: Yeah, so. they're they they're, they're a favorite speed. of
0: mine. <laughs> 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 we really like you guys. Hit us up, Buffalo Trace. We love you. <laughs> It, it's it's the straight bourbon whiskey for the bass player for the ever working bass player.
1: it's the it's the bass player's
0: whiskey oh by the way hey john i dig your hat
1: oh thanks man i like yours too hey,
0: Ray rondu. oh my goodness our last podcast please check it out if you haven't listen to it check it out ray rondu from uh vintage baseball and just badassery bass playing oh he's he's a badass human he was the best yeah. So good. He's a
2: badass human.
0: Yeah. But I got to, you know, uh, I got to just give kudos to the Bergantinos. Jim and Holly couldn't couldn't be nicer. Just so nice along with, I mean, Lee. Like those guys are real deal, man. And I'm excited. I'm excited for the possibilities of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That right there for me is, man, I'm excited. Some of the shit that we were talking about. Woo! unbelievable yeah Yeah, unbelievable
2: yeah it was very cool so i mean that's a guy that cares you know yeah you're right company that cares yeah and let's just stop recording right now
0: ready guys thanks so much check out the episode check out the episode the bergantinos lee pressgrave and just watch it holly bergantino Big freaking bottom. All right, enjoy. Goodbye. And hold on, guys. We're gonna keep talking. Okay, there we go. And right. there we go. You guys all sound good. All right. Um, Boom. So first and foremost, this is the Big Bottom crew: John Moody, Tony Puleo, Steve Araho, and who do we have this time? Jim Bergantino and Lee Presgrave from Bergantino Amplifiers. So.
3: And wait a minute, come on over here. No, no, we got,
0: oh, we, and Holly. We got Holly. Holly. Yeah, we, oh, we, can't we can't forget Holly. <laughs> 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 awesome. No. I love it. I love you guys, man. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. This is rad. Our pleasure. Yeah. And everybody can hear everything okay? Yeah. Okay, okay. good. Cool. Okay, Tony was going to be – Yeah, are going
1: to – recorded rude. In.
2: I have to be rude. And John, quiet on that one. <laughs> this is um, – we just got to give you kudos, Jim, on one thing, like something vintage-like that Steve and I always talk about. And Steve, why don't you start with it? Because we, we both own this cabinet, and it's been one of our favorites from all time. H T three two two.
0: Oh yeah. boy! <laughs> Amen. The People best cabinet. It's it, true. It, it, it was I by far one of the best. I think I owned. I think I actually had two, but obviously you know through the things you sell, you buy, and I that's one of the ones I regret getting rid of. I that no. cabinet.
3: It's without fail that every NAMM show I get guys that still come up and they. It's all they talk, you know, if, if there's one cabinet that people talk about more than anything, it's the 322. Yeah. So, What's your
0: weighs. It's badass.
2: I've all taken they, to 36 out of the 50 states and beat the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. It, it,
3: it huh? was, It was. I mean, I, I personally probably boxed all of them. Um, And it, it, that, and the, the, it was the weight, obviously, the, with this, uh, you know. Yes. Current trends is everything lightweight, but that cabinet weighed a good upwards of a hundred pounds.
0: Oh yeah, Ooh. I remember.
2: <laughs> I think mine on a scale yeah. was, was ninety six pounds
0: on the scale.
3: Was it nine? okay? So yeah, just about right. Imagine taking that off a bench and putting it in a box, Oof. <laughs>
0: yeah. and then climbing it up some stairs. To a gig. There you go. I have Guns, yeah. but no, it, it was fantastic, and uh, you're you know, it was just a killing cab. It's up there with, you know, some, some of the cabs, I mean, up there with like a Ampeg 810. It's up there with like, you know, like, like really, really these, these uh, legendary cabinets that HC322. It was punchy. Yeah. punchy, punchy. AF, big time. It had
3: the punch of the 10s, but it's all, it was also very piano like in a way. Yeah. You know, and it, it didn't really hype anything. It was just very, I think more neutral. Is that it? With, i would call it detailed
2: and punchy okay for that, for my the way right.
3: I i'm trying to you know it's been a while um but it, it was definitely punchier than like a 212 cabinet because it had the tens in it mm-hmm. uh, gave it that extra punch up top and, and it had the real nice tweeter in it too which really finished oh, yeah. up and um and so it was just a nice full range cabinet i think it really got the spectrum really nice um and so yeah it was we, we, we sold a lot of those and uh, but then the lightweight market came in and it just was like you know running you know swimming against the tide almost at that point so but thank you I'm glad you enjoyed it
2: what year did you discontinue that Jim
3: I had a guess it was probably around 2007 I think 2008 is when we introduced the AE series, if I'm not mistaken, and it was right before that that um, we discontinued the HT line basically, mm-hmm. the 322. Was
2: well, that 310s the, really popular around that time? Yeah, it was the
3: 310? Well, the 310 we came out with at our inception with the 212, those were our two big cabinets. And um, the reason why I did a 310 cabinet at the time was a couple of things. One, um, I didn't want to make a, a 410 size cabinet at the time, and I thought the 310, the woofers that we used had a nice um, ex, uh, excursion to them, so they essentially put out what a typical 410 cabinet could put out, and, um, and the other thing, too, is being a smaller company at the time, um, what you try to do is amateurize a lot of your parts over multiple products, so mm-hmm. I, the box sizes, the cabinet size, like the 212 was the same box as the 310, which allowed us to use the same grills, the same shipping cartons. So, you know, when you start having too many, if every model in your lineup used a different box, a different grill, you know, you'd be choking on inventory of parts because you can't just order them as you need them. you got to order them in quantity to get the right pricing. So a lot, if you notice over the, even up until now, the history of my company, you'll see a lot of even modern day cabinets. Like even currently right now, in the same box we have our HDN 212, our NXT 212, our NV212, our HG410, they all share the same grill, the same boxes. So part of my design philosophy has always been to maximize um, you know parts and products for, for cost purposes. I mean, it just, you know, if you, if I can order, you know, 150, 200 boxes of one size and get a quantity discount versus already. Fifty of those, fifty of those, and uh, and then have to stock them all, and, and it takes up space too. So, you know, if you, you just try to be um, as efficient as possible, from a business perspective.
2: Well, it makes sense, and also makes sense if you for the gigging guy that wants to use two two different boxes and stack them live. Right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know.
3: Good so, point. but yeah, so everything you know is a way to you know when you have control over the whole process. Right down to the driver design you you can make it work in these you know like in other words if I want to do another design in a specific size box given the volume of that box and if I want to change it from like twelves to 10s or or whatever I can design a driver from ground up that will work up you know um, efficiently in that particular cabinet so you know so it gives you know as a designer Um, It allows me, and and having the luxury of working with various transducer manufacturers to customize drivers to my specs, part of it is to achieve a certain tone that I'm I'm going after and the other half is making it work within a uh, certain cabinet size. So again, it gives you the efficiencies of manufacturing and also the ability to achieve the tonal goals you're trying to go after.
0: Nice. That's great. I mean, you've always been innovative, always, which I think is amazing. I mean, I've always liked everything you've done and I, you know, I got this and I tested it and unfortunately it was right. I, I literally only got to test this stuff on two gigs and then the world went wacky, but I, this Bluetooth is rad. <laughs> I, I told these guys when they, I was like, He's got a Bluetooth foot switch like this is this is badass. like this is a no br- like this is a duh that people should have done and you nailed it this is this this is rad it's amazing
3: <laughs> well there's a I backstory to how it turned out to be a Bluetooth pedal oh okay when I was when I was doing the B amp uh-huh. and explained to various people in the industry some dealers some industry insiders or you know whatever explained to them what the B amp was all about and as you know, the B-Amp has memory locations and all that. And I said, do I need a foot pedal? And every single one of them said, no, nah, we know, you know, everything from, our dealer said we never sell foot switches. And the the, the industry people said, no, nah, you don't need a foot switch. Mm-hmm. And a week after we started shipping the B-Amp, these very same people said, do you have a foot switch? <laughs> and, 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 and so... Here we are, I have all these thousands of dollars in metal work already done on, you know, for the casing that doesn't have enough power. I designed the amp as compact as possible, so I left no room on the case or the circuit boards to put, uh, you know, input jack for a foot switch. Sure. Unfortunately, we had the USB port on the B-Amp for software upgrades and stuff, and we also have a microcontroller on there, and which does Bluetooth. And and so we worked with uh, actually we worked with AirTurn on the pedal. It's their pedal, but my software engineer um, wrote the software to to interface the foot switch through the dongle into our amp. It goes through our microcontroller, and and thus we were able to after the fact incorporate a foot switch after everybody initially that they didn't need one. <laughs> so
0: No, I I think it's fantastic. And and then obviously there's this design, especially. OK, so you worked with the air turn people. So eventually this little foot switch could be OK, control that. But it could also control maybe an iPad with the turning. I mean, I
3: <laughs> well, it, it, well, that foot switch because it's an air turn, they it can work with, you know, an iPad. It can do sure. uh, um, it can, so you don't have to utilize it, uh, you know, for the without, yeah. so people can. You know, use it for multi-purpose. It if they want to know they if they're using something else. Like if you go to <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I have my because I use my i. I haven't printed music since the iPad came out. Everything is on my right. iPad. So so and I have, yeah, it,
3: it, anything you can use an ear turn pedal with, because that's what that is. What you know, it, you can use with your iPad. You can use your MIDI stuff. Um, Steve.
4: Ooh, now, yeah, Jim sent me a firmware update last week, and uh, the oh. foot switch was turning my overhead fan on and off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
4: I need one for the blender next.
0: Yeah, the blender next. Okay. So, oh, man.
1: Steve's left one now. It starts the coffee maker
0: and coffee maker. Yeah, this is, yeah exactly. Dishwasher. No, but oh my yep. God. So that's, that's badass.
3: You know, In Steve. fact, what happened was we initially started with the, the the PED Pro that they had, which was not, you know, there were some issues where it sure. didn't have a feel as a typical foot switch. So, a lot of guys that bought that early on, when we went to this pedal, they're now using it for page turners and they can, you know, then use this for their ramps. So, well, I
0: love the feel of this. This, is, this feels better than a lot of those other. Turner's because a lot of the patients are a little rubber. They're kind of a pain in the ass. Well, they're,
3: they're like a membrane switch. Correct. And, and, yes. and that's what we had initially. And then they come out with this pedal. Plus, it has four switches versus two. So we were able to, rather than double up, uh, we were able to have individual functions. They also have a six-switch version of it. Um, so my mind and, is blown. Yeah, and the I nice know. thing about the whole architecture of the B-Amp and the HP there is um, that because we have a microcontroller and it's digitally controlled i mean we make the user we can change the user interface with a software update um and even the audio aspect there because all the audio is done digitally in the DSP yeah. so you know we've added i mean tony would know this cuz he you know when he came by the booth in 2015 um we, we made it to the nam show by the seat of our pants which is typical when introducing a new product <laughs> yeah it was just an amp with tone controls, et cetera. it didn't have the tuner working. It didn't have any of the, um, you know, it, it, we, it, the compressor and the effects came a year or so later and that was just an afterthought. So that wasn't even on the original uh, design um, doctrine, if you will. And the more I learned what the power of what we had at our fingertips with the DSP, the more features we were able to add over time, thus all the firmware updates. plus. Another great benefit of that architecture for us and for our customers is we've been able to learn a lot or get a lot of feedback from users as to things that they like, things that they may have liked to do differently or things that they didn't have that they could have used. And through all the feedback and, and input with early adopters and as well as even recent customers, a lot of the updates have been based you know, in many ways on a lot of that user feedback. So our customers have helped us make it a better product. And the person that bought the amp five years ago has the same amp that we're shipping today because it's all software based and it's just a firmware update and no one had to go out of their way. You you didn't have to, you know, sell something and buy something to get the latest version. It's just like Mm -hmm. you have a thumb drive and and a computer, you're up and running. And, and it's been, you know, so it's been a great, um, Benefit for our customers and, and and nice for us to be able to say to our customers you know you, you didn't by being, by coming on first you didn't lose out sure. and uh, so it's been That's a great, great.
0: John what were you, you were gonna say something before sorry if I interrupt oh
1: you. I was gonna say just thinking about that is thinking about if you can split the pedal so then you have like the left two switches control the amp the, the right two control your page turner on your iPad Cause I'd use that set up in my, in theater pits every day. Oh yeah.
4: Oh, good to know.
3: Um, that's good. Well, I, I could possibly have the amp software ignore those two switches and maybe just have a, then you'd have to probably just pair it with your page turner as well. I mean, right. maybe a way to do it yeah. because the software, you can pretty much do anything. So, you know, we mm-hmm. obviously recognize all four switches with the amp, but let's say yep. you, Needed, like, let's say you had the HP where the first two switches are the drive, engage, and the punch, but you didn't, you know, I don't, you know, you say, well, I don't need to engage the bright, sure, engage the bright or the mute. I can do that manually if I wanted to. I could easily have my software mm. ignore those right two switches.
1: Wow,
3: mm-hmm. a matter of can you pair the same pedal with two different devices? Yeah, right. That's going to be, I mean, that's, I'm not a big Bluetooth. Guy myself, that's a little out of my, you know, how the, the in depth that goes, but um, I know that you, it can be, you know, sometimes you got to be careful, like there, there's open pairings so, uh, and, and closed pairings, which this pedal is capable of. Um, so uh, it's a good question. I mean, I, I I could always run it by air turn um, if, if it ever came to be such that. But they also, just in general, because air turn also makes now... Six foot switch pedals, so we could leave the other two open for MIDI interfaces and page turners, like you're mentioning. Mm-hmm. Provided that it can pair with multiple devices.
1: Right, right.
3: Right now, we're essentially pairing it with the dongle that we plug into our USB port. So that's, that's a, essentially another device. And yeah. but mm-hmm. they do offer open and closed pairing. So it, I'm, I'm it, I can look into that. That's a good question.
0: I love it. It's awesome, man. And then um, and then Lee, you said uh, I'll up, uh, with the updates, you said you just got an update right now and you updated one of your amps. The ones that you have.
4: I update probably 10 to 30 times. <laughs> That's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. <laughs> I've worn out three thumb drives. <laughs> got it. Okay. Oh,
0: tell them what, tell, him, tell Lee, Lee wakes up
3: every morning and checks his inbox for updates i know sooner jim's yeah we're good that's that's it we're
4: done it's perfect i'm like yes it's perfect we don't need to do anything i'll wake up the next day hey i thought of something try this i was like oh (laughs) i love it no but that's what i that's i love to do it honestly so um and i've saved every update jim has sent me over the last close to three years and i keep threatening to actually count it up one day but it's Probably it's hundreds and hundreds, if not close to a thousands
3: of know, well, in, in all seriousness. So though the cool thing about this architecture with the updatability of it is Lee is in Virginia and I'm here in Massachusetts. And in the course of 30 minutes, we can test, you know, 1015 tw- circuits back and forth, you know, just by making slight, you know, like, especially when we're doing the drives, you know, how we're going to, you know, set it up because it's, you know, drive is like making a sauce or a soup. You can always, you know, there's so many different flavors you can make based on how you, you know, do the circuit so, you know, I can send Lee a circuit. He can, you know, literally, however long it takes to so take a, a, a file off a laptop on a thumb drive it takes 10 seconds to load it into the amp. You can play for a couple of minutes, say, try this or this is what I'm hearing, you know, this is where I'd like to take it. I'll be back at my computer, dial up a few more things, email it down to him. So literally, in the course of a half hour or an hour, we can easily go through ten plus iterations of a of a audio circuit, and um, and that's how we've been developing and and that's been led to all these updates um, over the last months and years, um, just this back and forth. No no soldering iron needed.
0: <laughs> that's mm-hmm. fantastic. So two things, two thoughts that just came across my my feeble little brain here a lot of amp companies will cater towards a certain style, a stylistic, you know, and your amps have always really hit all styles, everything from super clean jazz to metal, you know, which I I love that. I love that your amps cover so much ground and they always have. You've never shied away. And, I don't know if it's an intentional thing or whatever but some amp companies really you know they they it favors a certain style or a certain way of playing and your amp it it literally covers you've got guys that play super hard rock and you got guys that play searing metal with distortion then you have super clean you know so i i think that's fantastic that it covers that ground
3: it's a good question and um topic was- of discussion because actually, even before I did the amplifiers, it was that was kind of how, how we, our speakers were known for, yeah. And and I always would say to people, there's no such thing as a rock speaker, or a jazz speaker, or a metal speaker. A speaker's job is to reproduce accurately or as accurately as possible whatever you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. So, a speaker should not. Corner you or box you into a certain specific genre of music it should reproduce the genre you're playing through it and, and, and the same goes for an amp really it, it, it's really a, a, you know, my goal in speakers and amps is to try to make it as much of an open window back to you the artist to you know like a blank canvas if you will so that you can just basically convey what you're trying to do to the audience and to the recording etc. And, you know, there are a lot of amps on the market that people will say it's like it gives you like two choices, take it or leave it in a way, because and I I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's just like they have a baked in tone and how you EQ it. It's always going to sound like that baked in tone, just EQ. And so that tone is either going to work for you or it isn't. Whereas what we try to do is give you an, an amp and speaker system. That is is neutral and open as possible, like a blank canvas, so that you can build your tone on it. You know, through your your bass, your fingers, your string. You you know, mm-hmm. how, you know um, the EQs. I, I try to make pretty versatile. Um, and, and you know, then we took the B amp, especially a step further with all the profiles, where we EQ the speakers, flat for you, so that again, because I always feel this is another interesting aspect of this whole conversation too is the reason why it took us so long to come out with an amp back in 2008 or, or seven or something, like somewhere in that time frame when we came out with the intelligent power series of cabinets, the IP series which is our powered cabinets, they had a DSP processor built in and it allowed me to use the same amp module but eQ it differently for that amp, for that speaker so I, you could start flat and then again build your tone on that blank canvas. And I never wanted to do an amplifier until I could, and and the shortcoming of that system essentially was, if you needed more than one speaker, you'd have to buy another amplifier because it was built into the speaker. Plus, then you have to still buy a preamp. And we also had another issue where a lot of these preamps out there are voiced. So here I am giving you a perfectly balanced system, and someone plugs in, you know, uh, let's say an amplifier, a preamp rather, with a passive tone stack where they think 12 o'clock is flat, which it isn't. And then they're wondering why the woofers are like coming through the grill. <laughs> so it's like I've already done all that for you. Um, so we we lost we didn't have control of the end user's experience because they had to buy a preamp to plug into it. And then it, users that wanted more needed more than one cabinet. They'd have to obviously pay for another amplifier. So the premise of the B amp was the profiles. In other words, it was it has the profiles. Where no matter what speaker of ours you use, you could engage the profile for that particular speaker into the DSP section of the amp that's dedicated to the profiles. So you weren't limited; you didn't have to, you know, you, no matter what speaker you had, you the amp could match it. And that was kind of like what started the whole BM process. But then everything else, with all the feature set, the compressor, the effects, the quasi. Parametric EQs. The, um, the uh, what else will we do we do? Um, we we have a programmable bright. You know, you can choose the bright frequency and sure. the gain uh, has a built-in tuner. Um,
0: high pass, low pass filter, right? The, yeah, yeah, high pass yeah. and, and uh, yeah. They, yeah. yeah.
3: Thanks, thanks <laughs> for telling. Uh, thanks for reminding <laughs> thanks, me what amp does.
0: You got it. <laughs> well, well, the reason I bring that up is that I've never had an amp that had that particular maybe. Trying to think back, maybe something, but it's very, it's very intuitive. And Lee, when when this was sent out, I talked to Lee, and I think I had I had it kind of set wrong. And he told me, I'm like, oh, that's it. So, anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt.
3: No, 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 that's good.
0: That was such a rad feature. I loved it.
3: Sorry. Well, see, the 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 nomenclature confused a lot of people. Even one of my dealers who's an engineer, he said, This amp sounds very medium. And I'm like, Well, where's the low pass and high pass? So he confused low pass with high cut. And high pass with you know, so it's just how the terminology of it. So he basically was cutting all the highs and cutting all the lows. <laughs> so so it, you know, you know, I could have. So some people confuse very you know low pass filter, but uh, like a you know, it's the same thing as a high cut. Yeah. So you know, and and they they get confused by that, and uh, so that's why some of the updates I put a graph in there showing. How each control affects the frequency response. Sure. Um, but anyways, so probably, uh, yeah.
2: Off it sounds and- like that would be a good video. That would be a good video to have explaining. You know.
3: Yes, you're right. No, that's what you know. Of- we've been trying. I don't know. And, and I gotta. They, they think I talk too much. I don't know where they get that impression <laughs> from.
0: I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I to it that. From
2: Massachusetts, of course, he talks a lot. All right.
3: I thought I thought it was the fact that my name ended up in a vowel. I don't know. I just um you know, so um
4: but, but you
3: know, I, 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 I truly believe the the amp, you know, and we've had we have some nice videos out there. It one of the things that I the goals in mind with the b m because I know it looks at first glance to some is intimidating, but it's very intuitive. Um, You know, it's very, um, you know, a lot of the menus that are, when I say deeper in the amp, you just got to like press and hold the the program button to get to them, are more or less set and forget items, unless you're changing like your speaker out, or one day you may want to go post versus pre-DI to the board. But for the most part, those things you just set up at home and you forget about it. And, and, And the other stuff, which is basically your tone controls, are right there on the front of the amp. So, um, you know, I, I try to make it so that from a live gigging situation, everything you need is no different than a typical lamp. And and, and 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 even like this sub very stuff like the the compressor and the effects. They're all they, they're, they are in a menu screen. But once you get your sound, you can save it to a memory location. And all you have to do is either push one of the knobs in the front of the amp or the foot switch, and it just in and, and the memory scene saves the um, the gain of the each tone control it also saves the center frequency of each tone control because you can go in there and you know um, decide what tone what center frequency you want for that particular tone control it will save whether the compressors on or off it will, and also the, the drive and makeup gains it will save whether or not the effects are on or off which effect is selected the drive and makeup gain it will also save whether or not the bright is engaged. It will save the bright frequency you programmed for that scene. It will save the bright gain you save for that scene. So you can completely set up, it'll save the low pass filter frequency so that if, you know, for a particular bass or style of music, you may want to low pass it or, or if you're using like the fuzz, let's say, you don't want to get all those upper harmonics, you can bring the low pass filter down a bit but and, and, and save it all part of that. And just at the push of a button, it will, Recall that whole set, and, and what's interesting. Getting back to it just quickly, I don't want to get too long-winded here, but the reason why on the um, the, the uh, bright switch we we decided on a memory save to be able to save the not just whether or not the bright was on or off, but what frequency and gain it was at. I had a customer call me and said, "Jim, I have like two different bases, and one I think one's with jazz bass, and one maybe been a P bass or more, you know." Whatever, and he's like, I use two different bright setups for each base. It would be nice if you could not just save the fact that the bright is engaged, but also what frequency and gain that particular base was set up for. Wow. I didn't look at it that way, so I got together with my software engineer. I said, Let's um, when you save, do a save, don't just save whether or not the bright is engaged, but whatever frequency and gain is set at that particular time. Save that, and that's how you know. So that, that that gets back to about how hearing back from users and customers as to how they using the amp allowed me the opportunity to make it better, and 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 then because people that bought it five years ago have the this you know that it's because of the architecture didn't lose out on that. They were able to be able to be brought up to date with all these features that were changed or added based on customer feedback. So i learned a lot from my customers. You know, I mean, it's allowed me to make the amp better for their uses. And, um, you know, so that's how the amp evolved basically.
0: I love it. I love it that you actually, you know, you you listen to the customers, you know, you listen to the players because sometimes that, you know, some companies don't. And so it's it's great.
3: I think one of my biggest assets, quite honestly, is the fact that I don't play. So, it, 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 and I mean, and so it, two things: if it, 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 not that, it forces me, but it, but it makes me want to listen to players because I don't have a preconceived notion as to what it should sound like or what it should do. And and I always joke, and the, the good, good thing is that at least I'm not testing my gear to make me sound good because <laughs> then it would sound like crap, right? I mean, so. Uh, But it keeps, so it keeps it more objective for me and it allows me to listen rather than just, you know, try to predict or anticipate what people want.
0: That's cool.
2: Uh, You know, I had a question, Jim, have you thought about taking the guts of that? You know, you have a lot of intelligent design that's a little bit different than some of the other amplifier companies and actually doing it in a pedal format. So minus the amplifier but just having well, it in the pedal. Actually,
3: um, we are looking into that um, because we have got a lot of requests on that. Now, it's kind of an interesting debate or, or, you know, here I am, you know, I think about this a lot. And when you think about, like, let's just take the B-amp. It, it weighs six, six and a half pounds. It's a, it's, it's pretty small for, a, even for a micro-amp, you know, the 700, watt amps because we've been we were able to make the package pretty compact. And one of the, you know, a lot of the people that have been actually asking me about this, you know, make, you know, can you make a, put it in a pedal form or a preamp, you know, it's just a preamp part of it. And, and, and I kind of look at the situation. I'm like, you have an amp that fits in your gig bag. You you know, it's only weighs six pounds. Oh, wait. Um, and, it, and you can still use it as a preamp. And you already own it. So, um, but again, I, you know. There's I, a
2: reason for this, actually. And I, and I can all right, go ahead. Right now. I'm, I'm all So, um, like, John and I both do theater. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite common to play in ampless situations. Um, I did a tour years ago in Europe where it was, I was told ahead of time, this is an ampless situation, we low on cargo. Now, granted, the amp yourself is small, it doesn't weigh much, but guys are literally bringing pedal board and their instrument over the back. So the whole pedal board format uh it's kind of in right now so to speak trend wise. You know, it's there, it's happening. Lee, you know, you see it right.
4: Yeah, and I I agree, Tony, because uh, you know, yeah, it's all in the B amp, but you can make it even smaller, and that's that's gooder. And um you're not paying for a power amp you're never going to use or You might have a power amp. You might be a Crest CA9 guy or a a lightweight Crown 1U guy, and you just want to mate it to your own power amp. So you don't need a redundant power amp. So you don't have to, you know, you'll get the price point down by not having to pay for the whole amp, you know?
3: Uh, And and I appreciate all that feedback because I've, you know, I've been hearing it from all sides that, you know, you know, I try to look at it from uh, sometimes more of a efficiency or just like, um, you know, it's almost like I feel guilty having people own a B amp and then go out and buy a pedal. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's all right there, and I know that this little added convenience that Tony mentioned, um, you know, getting the weight down even more and, and, and getting it a little smaller. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, I learned from feedback that it, it, that is something people would like to see, and uh, so yeah, I'm definitely. I'd like
2: excited. to show you something if I can, right?
1: Is he showing his pedal board again? Because he always does that. Of
0: course he is. Wait, 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 The over under was a half hour. <laughs> We're a little over. It took him that long.
2: <laughs> no, this, this is a. Like,
0: you you're so
2: bad, Steve. I know. I'm sorry. I'm
4: sorry this is
2: like a common yeah. setup.
4: Yeah. Yep. Okay. yep. Temple Audio. Uh, Temple uh, Audio,
2: very mm-hmm. common setup you'd find. A lot of pit guys, you know, in New York, Boston. Um, it's it's what's being used. A, a lot of guys traveling, you know. Uh, there are a lot of they're just they're they So there is a crowd of guys that are are amplis situations. So even if you did have the power amp, but you had all the controls and push buttons facing up, so the amp, you yeah. know. Type oh, of- it, it, it,
3: it's a package that's better adaptable to a pedal board, like you I say. I, actually, just the other day, I had a guy who owns a B amp say, You know, let me know when the preamp version of it's coming out because he's afraid people will step on his knobs if he put it up on the stage up by where he's playing, you know, stuff like that. So, I mm-hmm. mean, it, it's just learning and understanding the needs of a gigging musician because, like I said a little while ago, you know, I'm not one of those. And so I'm kind of like, learning as I go and, and, and by again from feedback from people like yourself and, uh, and it helps me hit the target coming out better you know. So, so
2: John will tell you I think he's using a pedal all the time now right?
1: Oh yeah it's like half my my gigs is just and it's like a board about half Tony's size with a multi-effects on one thing going right into a pedal DI and that goes straight to the front of the house. And so
3: he's- that- Yes, typically, or just a PA ma- uh, monitor? Um, I have
1: a monitor right in front of me. So mm-hmm. just like a, whatever a Yamaha PA speaker is. So right. it's enough. It gets the job done. And, I mean, I use also the, um, the backbeat thing that goes on my, the back of my uh, yep. strap. So that helps, too. And uh, But, yeah, that's, that's basically the rig. And, yeah, it's like Tony says, walk in with my bass and my little uh, gig bag, Five minutes, I'm set up and already got a signal to the house and ready to go. So,
3: yeah. I, 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 believe me, I hear a lot of that le- lately. Mm-hmm. We were just up in Brooklyn last fall and um, people's you know, saying that they don't even own an amp, some Mitch of them, you know, so, uh,
1: Mitch uh,
3: you know, because they just, they're working in the city, everything is mm-hmm. or. Whatever and, and so they, they don't they don't even carry an amp they just carry a good DI preamp and, That's it. and running they are.
4: It's the quiet, quiet stages are really, I mean, becoming the the norm these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. That's just where, I mean, the industry's been going there for a few years now, and I think it's not going to let up. It's going to continue to go that way. Because I think it's, the, loud, yeah. the loud loud amps are just poking holes in the front of the house and. The engineers aren't really having it anymore. They want to control that, you know? Yeah. It's quite common in Europe.
2: In Europe right now, um, even in the States, in the smaller clubs, I don't know, Like we all know Killian Duarte. He just, the last couple of toys he's done, completely, you know, ampless. It's just, um, it's in-ears. Uh, I think there is still, like, a little stuff, stuff coming through the monitors, but it's literally a pedal board, a small pedal board. Well, that's and it's
0: all impulse responses. Kempers right so on that note, have Jim, do you work with any or have you thought of working some kind of irs into that? I mean, it could. I don't know, it could,
3: it could well, well, currently put um, on, you know, it's a good question. Good thing. Nice to bring it up. Um, actually, um, we are in the process of generating irs for some of our new speakers. So um, you get the NXT's which I'm not, you know, we've just came out with this year and that was collaboration with uh, Celestian. Um, We're gonna be doing uh, impulse responses on those and um, so guys can, um, you know, download those, they can purchase, you know, we haven't figured out yet, but we're gonna have them professionally done. um, And um, Because the NXTs have got, even though we, you know, we went from Nam to, uh, you know, this, you know, essentially this lockdown situation, but the everyone that's had them so far has absolutely loved them, and we're very happy about them. You know Lee's been you know very instrumental in the testing of them and got his stamp of approval. and so I think from an iR. perspective, I think they'll make a great addition to the you know people's libraries, and um, so yeah, we're definitely going to get the, process, get the ball rolling yeah. on nice. those working. actually, we're going to be working with Celestion selection on those, so uh, so it'll be done really nice.
0: Man, an IR of the HT-322. Well, you know, to, to, go back to,
1: that, um, to go back to that preamp thing, that would sell it. Yeah. Because you'd have this, you know, you'd have this thing on, on your board that's like, look, you can dial up your, you know, your exact Bergantino amp setup that you use normally that just goes right to the front of the house. Yep.
3: yep. Well, right. it's, uh, that would be a nice thing.
1: It's in the works. all right, all right. It's in the works. You heard We're it just here. filling you with
2: ideas because right. this market, Jim, is not, and Lee will attest to this. It's not going away. Right. Not going
3: oh, away. I know that. I, I, it's funny. It Can took me a while. That? It took me a while to really have it sink in. You know what I mean? And, and really, you know, and even to some extent, fully understand it. Um, and um, but yeah, I'm starting to realize. But it's also it, it, it's twofold. One, it, you know, it, it's it. it the reasons that most people are using it for your studios and even touring and you know um, but also I look at it as a, like a cross marketing where it can bring get more people familiar with the brand mm-hmm. because when they hear um, what our speakers sound like or amps for that matter with IRs and if, if they do need a speaker uh, some of them may just be using them in their studio but when they go out go live they may need a amp and cab so if they hear what, if they like what they hear in the studio with the IRs of a, of a given cabinet, you know, my hope or thoughts are they'll have a tendency to, if they needed a speaker for live, that they would go for the IR, the speaker of the IR that they desired in the studio. And also there's a lot of studios out there that they're not specific for bass players, but they, I'm sure they'll have IRs available for bass players that do come in to record. And if, you know, what, what's to say a bass player doesn't having to hear one of our irs in a recording situation and say well what's that and have and then maybe learn of the brand that way too so it it it, it works on so many levels and and it makes a lot of sense
0: that's awesome well i think you're what you've created being software based i mean you're it you've kind of already created the infrastructure for for this which is amazing i i mean i'm excited about it that's that's awesome. I like the idea of
2: an IR for the 322.
0: Woo! <laughs> Thank you
2: very, You're very
1: much. You're not going to
3: stop, Jim. Thank you very
0: much. <laughs> well, and, and the other... I have,
3: I have to find one. Do you guys have one still? Well, I don't know. Don't. You
0: don't have one? I'm, gonna start, <laughs> I'm going to start I I'm going to start hunting one down. I'll put one on a search. They, they, they come up every now and then. They do, People... but they're rare. They are very rare. People hang on to That's them. Ryan's favorite.
3: Yeah, we I, like I said, we sold a lot. I mean, those were back in the day where dealers would call up and order three or four at a time. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it, it was just like you know, give me four three twenty twos. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's
0: four hundred <laughs> yeah. pounds of yeah. cabinets right there. Yeah.
3: So, so that was, yeah, they, they they definitely that was a, that was a good day for us. That a good part.
0: It's awesome. so okay. We're gonna we're gonna be on the hunt for an HC three twenty two. We'll get <laughs> them. Out. Yes. So um, Jim, when did, your, when did you start getting into the class D thing? And for me, it's a love-hate, and I'm sure all of us, because a lot of the times when you play class D, there's an anemic feeling to it. There's a lot of right. it. So, so you don't, and all of us can attest to, you wanna feel that note. You wanna play and you wanna feel it. And a lot of right. times class D can be a bit anemic. and this is not, this is the first time I played it, just it has heft. And it's just one of those things, you can't really explain it, you just have to play it and you feel it. So when did you kind of get into the Class D thing and and uh, was it a love-hate? Did you like it right away? Did you not like it?
3: Well, the first Class D experience I had and I asked the same questions because when, when we did the IP series, like I was mentioning earlier, yeah. Yeah. Um, they had uh, one of the earlier uh, Bang & Olsen ICE modules, the thousand watt, Okay. E-module in them, which is still, there's it, still, a, by today's standards, a nice module. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my biggest question was, can, uh, you know, how do these sound compared to your typical class, you know, AB type amplifier or LED sled or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we, we tried one and, you know, it, it, was it a Cresty? And I know, but it didn't really leave you wanting, you know what I mean? It didn't make you say, ah. Yeah. So but it was, it was definitely an acceptable, uh, alternative and obviously the, you know, with the weight savings and the fact that it had the DSP built in, yeah. it, it allowed us to get into that market. Um, I agree. I mean, the same thing, quite honestly, kept me out of the, um, Neo market for, for the longest period of time. I mean, you know, um, the, um, You know, I I, you know, I I people kept asking me about lightweight, when are you gonna make lightweight? And I said, you know, back then it was like never, you know, because it's
0: when they don't sound like shit. How's that? Well,
3: I I did try some of the earlier eminence Neos and wasn't happy with them at all. And um so but one day it just came to realization that in fact it was interesting, a lot of guys that were good customers of ours were going off and buying these lightweight Neos from other manufacturers. And then I'd I'd follow them and then I'd see all of a sudden they'd sell it and they come back to the heavier ceramics. And I was kind of like hanging my hat on that for a while, but then I realized some guys just weren't coming back anymore because they're like, can't give up on this lightweight. The the weight difference is, even though I'm not happy with the sound, um, it's like I just can't lug the weight around anymore. So I came to the realization that if as a company, if we want to still be in the game, we have to come out with a lightweight design and um and now in our a e series was the first uh neo cabinet we did and um and believe me, I worked hard on those because um i you know i again I, at the time I was working with the eminence neos and um I was having trouble with getting them to sound good and um so one day, once I'd made the determination, okay, I need a Neo speaker out there, I, you know, sat down and I really said, okay, why aren't these sounding good? Why are they acting the way they're acting? And I came up with a design concept for the A-Series that made them, that that basically the cabinet actually offset their shortcoming to make them sound um, less Neo, if you will, and, and um, and when we introduced the AE series, the the feedback we were getting from the field is they, they, they were the they were the first neo speaker that, that sounded the least neo, and um, and believe me, and you know I did a lot of real you know that that, that the AE series made me basically rethink how speakers are designed just to get it sound good. I, I never designed a speaker, even to this day the way I had to design the AE series again to, to sound good. Hmm. Um, and, and they're still even lauded lot in today, but there's a lot of, it, it made me turn everything I believed about how a speaker should properly be designed on its head. <laughs> so, but fortunately, you know, over the years, we've moved, you know, we've been working with other neo speakers that allow me to go back to my more traditional way of thinking. Um, but the latest, um, Line of the NXTs that we were just talking about um, was because, you know, Neo, I mean, it's come a long ways, but like I've always said, it's, it, it, you know, a lot of people say, well, a magnet is a magnet is a magnet. It's not about the magnet, it's about the magnetic field and, 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 and the, the material and how the speaker responds to that magnetic field and all the other things and nonlinearities as well. So, so you know, just saying this magnet is the same strength as this magnet has nothing. You have to look at the whole system and how it works together. And um, I I always said that until we rethink how we design the Neo motor, Mm -hmm. we'll get Neo to sound anywhere near like ceramic. It's always going to be that divide because even up until recently, people still are comparing. Here we are like. But 19, 20 years later, <laughs> still comparing new Neo designs with their ceramic counterparts. Yeah. People haven't let go of that ceramic sound. And um, <clears throat> back in 2018, um, so guys from Selection, I, I, I know um, the sales rep very well. He actually lives in the town I grew up with now, but he was with BNC when I first started. And that's where we got our tweeters from for the HT series, et cetera. And he's been after me for, Quite some time since he's been with Celestion to switch over to Celestion speakers, and you know I've been quite happy and still you know have been with the BNCs neos that we've been using in the HDN series and the HG series. So this goes back to 2018, the fall, and you know he was in town and we worked right down the street from EAW and uh, Fulcrum Acoustics, so we're all on that same complex, and um, you know so we he brought it, he had his marketing director in from the UK. We set up a meeting and, um, you know, we went in and I was gonna like, you know, I, I, I figured the meeting was going to go like, hey, good to see you. What do you want to do for lunch? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all set. Don't need anything. <laughs> Let's move on. And um, but I, I guess me being me, I just kept talking. Right. So um, and, and, and then I then we got to a point where in the conversation where it kind of took a bit of a turn where I where I started going on with about. This is why I believe neos will never sound the same as ceramics. And until we can do this to a needle, neo motor or something along these lines, um, it will always be that way. And I gave them kind of my thoughts as to what we needed to do to a neo motor to get it more in line with how the ceramic motor performs. And they went back to the UK and um, Paul Corker, who's their director head of engineering there. Liked what I was saying and he personally took an interest in it and he designed our NXT motors and, um, and that's now what's in our NXT speakers. It's a, it's a modified Neo motor to give you, and it's kind of worked out, you know, it didn't, you know, the goal was to get it to sound like ceramic, but in many respects it, we, I think we did a little one better in that we captured about 90% of the ceramic sound, but we maintained, that nice upper mid clarity that Neos are known for. Because a lot of people, especially in a low volume environment, when they compare ceramics to Neos, their ears a lot of times will gravitate towards the Neos because it has that, you know, that clear immediacy in the in the upper mids that you can really that really jumps off the base. You know, your base kind of jumps right out. Whereas the ceramics, a lot of times you don't really appreciate what they're doing until so you start digging in and really, you know, you know, dig, you know, and hitting them with some power so the nxt has kind of worked out in a nice way where you can dig in and not feel like oh if i give it any more power it's going to you know the, the white flag is going to come out of the port uh-huh. um and, and it but it also maintains that nice upper mid clarity that neos are known for so it gives you a real nice full spectrum from the low mids all the way up to the upper mids of a nice balanced filled in sound you don't feel like there are any holes in it. You don't feel like it's responding differently or you don't feel like you have to, you know, play it differently. You can just play. because there's nothing worse, whether it be playing through an amp that you feel doesn't have the headroom that you need or a speaker that you feel is going to give in or give out if you really dig in. There's nothing like a system that you feel that that will respond to what you want to to your playing without you feeling like you have to play to the rig that you're playing through. And, and um because it music is dynamics and 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 you're artist, and you like to and through how you hit a string how you play a note is all about expression and you want your system your amplification system to respond to that you don't want to feel like you're working your expression or artistic expression around the limitations of your system and 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 and, and so the goal in all this is to be able to have an amplification system that will respond to you, not a system that you have to, you know, work around its limitations.
0: Oh, you're muted, Tony.
2: I muted myself <laughs> just to put, Jim, when you talk about the upper mids, are you talking yep. about like, like 2.5K in that realm?
3: Yeah, like yeah. one to two, one one to three K, let's say, you know, yeah, yeah. That's another thing that took me a while to figure out. When, when bass players used to talk about mids, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm like a like a hi-fi guy where I'm like, well, what do you mean that it's scooped at 1k? <laughs> you know? So it took me a while to understand what you guys were referring to as the mid range of the, you know yeah. the, of the instrument. But, but Tony, to answer your question, yeah, well, you know it's well, you know to me the upper mids in the 800 to 2.5 is so okay. Like and and the mids are more in the 200 to 1k and will you. You know, everyone has, I think, a different way of defining a frequency range. I, I think like the Hertz area is more like the low to mid mid bass, mid base rather, and um, obviously below that is the lower base. So, but yes, that's another thing that over the years I've. It's kind of like trying to translate <laughs> what somebody is saying and, and 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 knowing, you know, understanding what what they're referring to um, because someone's upper mids. Or mids could be another guy's mid bass or something like that. So
2: I always think two point five in that rough area. Granted it depends on what's going on, but when I'm working with a producer or anyone in the studio, I'm like I'm like I wanna see that area because that's where I know for a lot of bass players, I'm gonna use this an active jazz bass as an example. That's where the pop is. Right, two point five. You know. Yeah. You wanna cut, cut right there. You know what I mean? That's where you're gonna that's you got, when I say cut, you're gonna cut through the
4: mix. You know? Tony, when we, uh, when we were developing the HP Bright Switch, uh, it's selectable between 7K, you know, that slap bright. But yeah, yeah. We purposely put the other bright at uh, 2K, yeah. you know, for a P bass, jazz bass, um, that just gives you that, that ping that you can just hear that presence pop through you know, a mix. So that's why we I call it a
2: musical ping, Lee. Like, yeah. the, you know, like you said, like two, two point five on a jazz bass, but wounds, round poo, right I there. Agree. Without being obnoxious, beatable. yeah, exactly. Like that's that's yeah. the magic spot right there. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, I give Lee a lot of credit because he was very instrumental in the, um, in, in not just not so much just the feature set, like but like the frequencies, like that two K bright. In fact, when we were at the the first NAMM show that we introduced the HP at, Lee was being with, you know, talking to a lot of the guys that come through the booth. Um, And even Tom Bolas was by there. And and Lee was specifically, like you were saying, Tony, that um, that 2K region is is everything to a P bass, a jazz bass. And a lot of guys didn't really, never looked at it that way. But then when we hit the bright button, (laughs) everyone, yeah. (laughs) that's, that's, that's where, you know, they, they, were, they now they were able to actually hear what you're talking about. In other words, no one realizes how much they really appreciate or, or desire that area to have certain, you know, like a P bass or jazz bass to really cut through in a nice way. In fact, um, Remco Lee, if you remember, was playing uh, in the booth that first year and he was just asking for, you know, he was just like, I need a little more, I forget what it was, but also okay. Lee just hits the 2K bright like that's it
4: <laughs> well like Tony said he was playing a jazz bass and he just couldn't get the right tone he was getting ready to do a demo and um i just said well just what do you want he said you know i need that ping and i just hit the bright and he goes oh yeah okay
0: that's there it, it is yeah. so nice to have on tap quickly uh lee which you know you got all the calves there what what's kind of your your go-to gigging rig what do you what do you gravitate towards i mean you, you know probably a few different i things.
4: mean I, I play smaller venues. I do occasionally play outside where I need to grab the ONV 412 or yeah. <laughs> I can take a combination of things. But mainly I'll take the, uh, the either the uh, the NXT 212 or the two NXT 112s. Um, and it kind of lets me be modular or at times I could take a 212 and put a 112 on top. Just depends on Kind of how much push I need, um, but I really like the uh, of the Nxt line. My ear really gravitates towards the 12s. They just have this this upper mid presence. They're a little bit more relaxed than the 10s, but you know they're not slow by any means. No. Um, they just have a just nice rock and roll uh, push and pull to them, if you will. Um, and they just do something in the upper mids that the 10s don't. The 10s are kind of a more of an even tone. The 12s, you can kind of think of it, it's almost like conversely of what normally would be, but
0: the, the 12s just do it for me. So they're my go-tos. I, the, the 312 cab that I used literally only on the two gigs, I mean, it was fantastic. And I love the footprint of it. That's- yeah, it's small. It's small. It's so small
2: and it, in the back.
0: yeah, and super easy to carry around. I mean it was it just was fantastic. And, what's, and Steve, what's what is great that
3: great model
2: of,
0: again? What's the model with the three twelve? H that's the H G
3: series. That's the one with the war from the rear.
0: Yeah. H G three twelve, is that the model? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's what and that's what you're using that Size
2: box is what's
3: common right now. So, so, so that's a two twelve box, but it's got three twelves in it. It's also a sealed cabinet, so it's a little different design than that. In the low end, it's sealed versus ported. Yeah, I like it. Two twelves in the front, and it has one on the back, which yeah. gives the wider, you know, sound stage. It helps. You know, I I always analyze it or analogize it to yeah. like a, a a light, like a floodlight versus a spotlight. You know. Um, you know typical front firing speakers are like a spotlight where all the sound and energy is directed forward. When you put that third speaker on the on the rear, it's more of a floodlight in that it rather than it being all in one direction, it kind of gives a nice even distribution of sound around the stage. And the you know, again, the feedback from a lot of the players out there that were first wondering how's this going to work or they thought that someone was going to look at it and say, what's that speaker firing at my head doing and all that? <laughs> <laughs> you know but everybody would comment afterwards how well they heard the bass and, and not because it was overpowering but because it was filling and, it's still and tight
0: like tight at the same time it's not it's not this big booming it's just it's tight and clear
3: that, that, well that's the seal design too that that, that, like that that goes down low too yeah. so it's got a kind of it's got a lot going on in that cabinet you got the, uh, the the wide dispersion but then you got a sealed cabinet which gives you that tighter more defined low end and uh, and it's also got our reference tweeter in there which is a nice you know tweeter too so uh it covers the range nicely yeah could that
2: box hold a 12 and two tens in the front
3: did you get in my head again (laughs) Called the HG three two two. so you don't have to have yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah. No, I, I've actually. It's funny. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways because we, we had the 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 three twelve, the four twelve, and the HG four ten at Nam, and Lee, you know, Lee was there too. And you were too, Steve. I don't know if you did that, that you know when we did the ABC comparison and all that. Really nice too with the tens brought to the table. In fact, a a real nice sounding rig was the HG four ten combined with the 312 because the 12s just gave you that real nice thick low mid, and the tens just filled in that upper mid nicely too. So it got me thinking about some kind of combination of um 12 and 10 mixture and an H G format. And um so you know that that is uh that that is floating around out there somewhere. Okay.
4: Um, hey, Steve, we talked about this, too. What's nice about the HG series and the rear firing driver, especially if you're a guy playing smaller rooms, and, you know, you, you end up standing, you know, on top of your cab, basically, and you've got all your sound cooking past your knees, and inevitably you it, it turns into volume wars, right? Yeah. Well, if you can find a hard surface wall, it, it, it bounces that sound up. It basically gives you a second pathway Of sound to your ear, so you can hear yourself so well in that environment when you're right on your cab where you couldn't before. That's what I really. So if I'm playing a really tight room, I'll usually grab an HG for that reason. Well,
0: the two gigs, what the first gig was an outdoor gig, and then the second one was the coach house. Right. So I use that, that's a big place. And the other thing is the DI, I always like post EQ because I like to hear whatever's going on. I like it. I don't like pre, I, I like post and it just sounds fantastic. The DI sounds killing. I love this thing. It it has again. It has nice weight. Thanks, Steve. It's really good. So kudos, because I, I mean all of us, John, Tony, and I, and I, and I know Lee. I mean we're nerds when it comes to just recording and recording direct and having a and having a good DI on an amp is a must. You you know you have to have it. So they're it, not
2: all created the same. They're not in the any, amp world. They vary greatly. Yeah it's, it's,
3: it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting to follow along with all these products out there and everyone's um, take on sometimes very similar things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think that helps us out because you know we the only analog circuitry in that amplifier is the front-end buffer and the output buffers that are driving the module. All the EQing, all the, um, the, the effects, all the compressor, there's all the you know everything else is done digitally, and the nice thing about that is that everything is preserved in the digital world. Now whatever comes, in, so if you use a high quality buffer coming in, once it gets into the digital world, it's preserved. So and, and, and then then you're just sending it out through another quality buffer to the amplifier or to the direct to the DI. So you, you're not losing a lot of that um, you know. You know the more analog circuitry you put in a circuit and, and and the other thing too is back in the days of tube design design when you design with tubes you're forced to use quality higher quality components because of the higher voltages you know, like things like cap capacitors and stuff like that when we when you go down into the solid state world you can get away with a 10 cent cap from the purely from a function standpoint Versus spending a couple of dollars on a capacitor because you only need a 10 volt cap versus a 200 volt cap and, and so But what we did with our what I've always believed then, and what we did is, you know, we're using the more expensive caps in the signal path to preserve the quality of the sound. You know, you know we're not trying to, you know, we we'll all have to keep our eye on the final cost of the system, but I'm willing to spend an extra buck or two on a capacitor to get, you know, you're not going to get 10 times better sound. There's a difference between something sounding like good enough versus sounding more like your base, more natural, you know, it, 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 it you know, it, it, it's subtle, but it's real. Yeah. And,
2: I mean, and we hear the capacitance in the cables like you guys are working with Tsunami now.
3: Yeah.
2: There's a total right. difference with the higher with the capacitance in the cables.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. And, and it's not just the capacitance of the cable. But it's the you know it's the dielectrics that are used and the wiring and, and 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 all that. It's it, so there's there's so many. <laughs> there you go. All of
0: us with our. <laughs> will be very Uh-oh. happy if will to tag
3: Keith in this one.
0: Oh yeah, Keith. Keith is the man. Look at that. <laughs> but that's so.
3: Yeah. Enough can't be stated. It's the it's the little things that all add up into yeah. the difference between that, something just sounding like, like what I say one dimensional versus like open window, you know, transparent um, and, and it's the difference, you know, it, it's it's spending a dollar on that capacitor versus ten cents It's spending two dollars on that op amp versus twenty five cents. Now, you know, and and in and the thing that because we're using everything digitally, we don't have to worry about having like 30 op amps in our design. So, we can use very high-quality buffers on each end, and and preserve it in the digital world, and, and make sure that quality is preserved through the entire signal path. And what I speak, what I mean by quality is its naturalness, its openness, its transparency, and um, and and all these every little it's the little attention to the detail that I think makes some of the biggest differences in how the end product comes across
2: i would also like degradation of signal of true signal
3: yeah no yeah, it i mean preserves
2: that you know
3: the, the the actual signal in and of itself a, a capacitor can't be underestimated it, uh, the, the 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 benefit of a good capacitor you know the dielectric the ty- you know the um, like a lot of people use those cheap electrolytics to decouple signals and stuff like that but they they, they time smear the signal cuz they they have dielectric absorption where they'll you know something will come in and may release some part of the information in time after the signal itself that it was part of Goes so you get that time smearing effect where the, the highs just they don't sound like the, you know the highs should sound like they're just hanging out there with the, with the instrument not like just you know like not just like being thrown out there like paint on a wall you want everything to feel like the whole signal Is preserved and together both in in time and in level, and you know a a poorly a a cheaper capacitor in the signal path will will create time smear um, that some people may say they can't hear it, but when people play through our amps and cabs, I mean we use polypropylene capacitors in our crossover networks. I mean you know again, and, and I always said from day one when we did the HT series we used. Our tweeters in the HT series cost more than the woofers, and and I and people don't realize this, but the leading edge of your low B is in the tweeter. The transient of every note is in the tweeter. So if the tweeter doesn't sound like music and sound natural, it kind of takes away from the rest of the note. So it, it it's kind of like an all or nothing scenario, and a lot of tweeters have. Base cabinets years ago is kind of like an afterthought. And let's just get something that will just throw some high frequency out there. Not realizing that is part of the note that that tweeter is reproducing. And, you know, in and, and, and the more natural and, and that sounds, you just and, and people will just. That's why the HT series became so popular right out of the way out of the gate. One of the things it was known for was that tweeter. And the, and, the, and the difference it made in, in people's sound. Another thing that's very important that is also underestimated is the the crossover network in the speaker. It's not just a matter of keeping the low frequencies out of the tweeter so it doesn't blow up. It's making sure that the tweeter response comes in to the woofer's response in such a way that it's a continuation. It's one entity. It's not like oh, it's, it's, I'm sure you guys play through bass cabinets where you can hear. Where the woofer stops and the tweeter comes in, that's that's the, of the network. I, I categorize it as two different animals. The PA speaker is a reproducer of tone, and the bass cabinet is a producer of tone. The bass cabinet is the sound box of the instrument. The PA cabinet is going to reproduce whatever that bass cabinet and amp combination is producing, and there's a lot of I mean, I use a lot of the same principles in designing a base cabinet that I would do for a PA cabinet and, and a home you know, high end home audio speaker, which I've designed. But there, but you there's some very subtle and not so subtle differences between the two that make a base cabinet feel and respond more like You know, like you feel like it's connected to your fingers versus a PA cabinet where you just feel like. You know, yeah, I can hear what I'm playing, but it just doesn't feel right, doesn't feel like what I'm trying to express anytime you introduce a crossover in a system. You're introducing phase distortion, which is basically the same thing as group delay And, and so that So Basically, let's say you put a six-inch mid with a twelve or fifteen-inch woofer and cross it over eight hundred hertz. Well, versus running a, a woofer, you know, because these guys they, they think a bass guitar is a, you know needs a, like a subwoofer. It's not, a, you know, it's almost like a misnomer. It's all about the mid range to me, and, and, and having and, and these guys that brag about having the, the biggest X max on their woofers, it's like they don't get it. It's also Tony. It's like a you know when you introduce that crossover in the critical mid-range area things in that whole when you, when I say phase distortion or group delay what's happening is let's say the, the mid-range kicks in around 800 so in that crossover area and above and below it frequencies below the crossover range you're hearing at a different point in time than the frequencies above that range so they're not even arriving in the same time because of the the the, the distort you know when I say distortion it's not like distortion and like, oh, it's it you know, sounds like...
2: No, I mean, I, I get it. From an electrical you know, standpoint, it, 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 it's
3: different. So you're introducing something, you know, that it doesn't sound like, like you know, it's not like your your G on your your, your base is, is going to arrive at a different point in time than your E. You know what I mean? All, it's all arrives together, and that's what you would expect to hear from your speaker. But when you start getting into these multi-way, three-way designs, it may be a nice flat, even if they do it right, which I get, which I, I, I'd be willing to bet that they don't. But even if they design it properly, have a good crossover network designed in it and get a nice flat response, good power response, it doesn't speak the same way because it's introducing these artifacts. You know, it, it, things are not arriving at the same time. And you're, so your ear is not hearing what it's expecting to hear as you're playing your instrument. And, and, and that's, so when, you know, a guy standing next to the cabinet may say, hey, that sounds great, but you as the player, when you're plugged into it, you know what you're expecting to hear, and you know when you're not hearing it and when you are hearing it. So- Steve, Steve, did you get all that not dielectric okay. absorption? So
0: my mind is kind of blown right now because- Welcome to my world. No, for one, I love what Jim said that a PA cabinet is for reproduction, reproduction sound like I'm in sex ed Mm -hmm. or something for for reproducing sound and a bass cabinet is for (laughs) you know that makes so much sense because and then I start thinking back where you said the low b should be like that tweeter should be able to like that's the first thing you hear and I'm thinking back on a lot of cabinets that I've played where I'm like I don't know what this is I'm like whoa was that it when I'm playing that lowness that 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 it was missing something and that's I my mind's kind of blown right now I'm absorbing a lot of heavy. I, I feel like I'm listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk, and I'm like, the,
3: "Yeah, I, mean, I love I, it
2: because my, Jim my and I are from the same from the same university, yeah, uh, wow. Northeastern, right?
3: Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, yeah. double E. By um, the way, say, just, just, excuse me, tell me one second, Steve. Just so you know, right about now, please, Lee, will cut me off and go in and take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is. I'm just appeasing
0: the camera. <laughs> I love it, man. No, this is it. Really blew my Like, that whole thing is I, I'm serious. That, like, I, I was literally just like, Lee must have seen my face. Like, I, I, did. Wait. I did. I was like, Steve's still thinking about diet electric absorption <laughs> five minutes ago. For some reason, I was thinking of reproduction. I, I don't know. I almost
2: <laughs> started to get in and ask questions about the time release with the capacitance, right? <laughs> you know, that would have been totally double oh. E
0: man and so good but but there. seriously that that knowledge right there is that's some heavy stuff that's and that i i think it just shows the uh, the badassness of your your products if that w- works how, how good it is how well it's thought out and i always obviously love well not obviously but i i think when a company does just such great cabinets and they do an amp i mean that's it's just amazing i i for me i i love this stuff it's it's killer just
3: to quickly just just to make maybe more generalize it yeah. I guarantee if you went to most manufacturers cabinets you would see the exact same crossover network In every- whether 112 or 210 or 212 or 115 with a tweeter i guarantee that they're all the same crossover network I, i've lost count of how many cabinets we've designed over the last 19 years but there isn't a single crossover network of all my cabinets that are the same.
0: It's awesome. And every once in a while, so I've I've done some stuff with QSC and they sent me the 12.2 or the 10. So I use that as a little combo. It works, but it in no way would ever replace a a real bass amp. You know, I mean, it works. It does does the job for smaller gigs and you know, it has some DSP. It's really cool. I mean, I, I think it's a great, you know, it's a, it's a cool little cab, big power. You can actually, you know, mess with the EQ, this and that. So I did, but it in no way, like you can hear the difference. You can feel the difference. It, so anyways, that's, that was going through my mind. Anyways, I mean, that's,
3: I mean, I mean, uh, that's just my take on things. That's my, you know, and and every designer has their own philosophies, if you will, and, or recipes. I always say with like, with Sonic Chefs, and and and, uh, <laughs> and and so you know i'm not saying that i'm right and everyone else is wrong I, I hope that you come across that way i'm just i'm just talking from how i approach things and, yeah. and why i do what i do um you know others have and that's what's great about it is because you know i you know lee and i talk about food a lot and actually lisa quite the down there you should see some of the things he does so um
0: let's talk food
3: we analogize everything to, it, it, so in amps and capital it's amps is all about eight cylinder versus four cylinder, you know, class D versus eight, you know, yeah. but in the world it, it's all about food. <laughs> so it's, um, but you know, but we're all, I, I always say we're all Sonic chefs and, and, you know, we all have our own take on it. Just like, you know, I may, you know, I, I know you guys probably seen you know, cooking sauces and meatballs and all that, but you know, we all, we all have our recipes, and we're always fooling around with it too. Because we're always learning, we're always looking to try to improve upon things, or we may learn something along the way that we incorporate in a future design. So that's a nice. Thing about what I why what I love about what I do is because I'm always learning. Still, and and, and um, the day and just and I'm sure as musicians, you always feel like you're growing, and, and you're you know growing your art and improving or learning something that you never thought you would want to learn or didn't know about, you know, from other musicians or from what you're hearing and all that. So it, it's nice to know when, that you're always growing. And I think that's important because that's what motivates us to be who we are and to continue to grow. And, 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 it, and it makes it what It's what gives us our passion about what we do, you know, knowing that, you know, there is more to learn because I'll tell you, if someone came up to me tomorrow and said, you know everything there is to know, this is it, you're done. I'd be like, well, then I'm going to go do something else because, you know, it, 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 it's not, you know, because you always want to feel like there's something out there for you to get to, to learn and do and stuff like that. So,
0: Well, you're doing stuff right, Jim and Lee. You guys, I mean, you're seriously killing it. And I, I am, I couldn't be happier with this. And of course, I can't wait to get my ass back out there and play. But for right now, I've been doing a lot of recording and I've actually used this. For just a lot of di stuff where i'm recording at home and it, it's just fantastic and i told the guys and i think it's great man so just please keep keep doing keep innovating because it's it's working we love it thank you so i think it's before
2: we wrap up with everything yeah. um why don't you tell us where's the future of bergantino like lee jim wh- what do you guys got going on what do you want to see happen what would you like to put out put out in the next year or two or what have you
3: well, I'm 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 trying to can you share, right? So I'm 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 really trying oh, you know, to you know, um really improve on I'm I'm trying to fine tune my stuffed pepper recipe. I mean that's where you know, that's in and we're moving into the eggplant palm world and um you know that that, that you know and, and, and lee's least, I mean one of these days I the Lee's kind of come up here or I gotta go down there and we're gonna have like a like a we're gonna exchange recipes. I mean that's oh yeah. You know, and, and 15, 20 pounds later, we'll, uh, we'll come up for air. And, uh, you know, honestly, Tony, um, and also, you know, I kind of, it's hard to say, really. I mean, you know, you always, it's a continuum almost. You know what I mean? You, you, you see where you're at. You, you kind of, you know, survey the landscape, if you will, and you try to figure out, you know, where you'd like to take it you know, what direction you would like to go based on obviously where the market's going and what you feel you can bring to the table. Um, you know, I, I've never been one to be a me too guy. You know what I mean? I, you know, it's, um, I, 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 there's always a reason for what, why I do what I, you know, if I, the design of a product has a purpose to it. It's not just, oh, I, you know, let me just put something out there because everyone else has something like this. So, um so it's you know it's not you know so it's not like i'm keeping my cards close to my vest it's just that we basically talked you know you know definitely exploring the preamp and the irs i think was the two big things that we talked about today where the direction we're looking at beyond that i mean it's like we you know it's day to day and you know we'll see what ideas come up in some it could be just another like we were talking about the h g series and mixing tens and twelves or <laughs> it, it it could be just variances of, of of stuff we already have out there so it, it's and and one of the nice things about being a, a smaller size company is I can adapt yeah. and change and do and innovate you know um uh, you know on the flip of a coin you know what i mean I just just whenever I want to do something I can just wake up one morning and say i want to do this and and just go out and do it and um you know so it, 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 it you know a lot of it i, I get emails a lot of guys gonna go out like let's say he's gonna buy like a an hp amp and he's like i promise i won't say anything to anyone can you, but you can tell me if you're going to do a b amp high power and, and, and um it's like i, I honestly <laughs> you know, i'll say it publicly now it's like it's not on my agenda now, now to say, that someday I may not wake up and say, you know, I think I'm going to do a BM high power. But in all honesty, in sincerity, it's not something that's on my radar screen right now. I know that option always exists out there, but there are other things that you know I'd like to look into short term, and you know, and that I think are more pressing and important. And um, but it, it, like I said, it just it varies. It, it, it just
1: mm-hmm.
3: me and I will have a lot of discussions and. Um, you know, and and, and just um, you know, come up with ideas and thoughts, and you know, bounce them off of each other, and uh, you know, so it, it's it's always an ongoing process, you know. A thought, you know, and that's what makes it interesting and fun too. It's you never know what you're going to do tomorrow, and you know,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and you and you can just say what ifs. And, and I mean, I remember the, all the conversations Lee and I had leading up to the HP and you know the feature set, how we wanted to lay it out what was important, and what wasn't and and and, it, and you actually spend sometimes as much time talking about a product than you do designing it you know just because you want to get it right and you want to get input from people who you know have knowledge and experience and and i mean lee was i mean i mean you know i designed obviously the all you know the the amp itself but lee was instrumental and the feature set and how we what was important and and you know what wasn't important and you know and we kept going back and forth and and there's there's a lot of Lee in that HP so good um, you
4: know. well you know at some point you you just have to you know distill it down and go okay we need to stop it it, it has the tools that <laughs> that people need because you know right you want to put a blender on it and you want to put you know you, at some point, you just have to rein it all in and go, okay, this is a great feature set for this amp, and you just have to eventually go for it, or else you're just going to keep, you know, chasing your tail in this uh, conceptualization phase, you know?
3: Yeah, I did tell you there's a USB port in there, right?
0: Yeah, I think there is. <laughs> <laughs> About well now. I'm going to need another one, by the way. That's awesome guys. So, um, and then social wise. So I know, so Lee, where can people, uh, you know, get in touch with you? I'm on Facebook and just recently got on Instagram, Lee
4: Pressgrave, nothing fancy. Um, And
0: uh, you have a Bergantino email people have at Bergantino.com. Lee at Bergantino.com. Any tech tech
4: questions people have, they can go through me. If I can't answer them, Mm -hmm. I send them to
0: Jim. Got it. So you need to get me first. Got it. And how about you, Jim? Is it uh, bergantinoaudio.com? Is that the website?
3: bergantino.com. Just bergantino.
0: bergantino.com, okay.
3: And um, info at bergantino is the email that comes to me. And, um, you know, Holly, who, yeah. uh, This is Holly at bergantino for all social media and artist relations, et cetera. And actually, works with like, closely too, a lot of the social media marketing and artist relations side, too. So Lee's kind of like
4: He's
3: everything. You know, he's he, oh, he, great. He, Holly and I have been able to get along just nicely since Lee joined us because yeah. he kind of, he's like, <laughs> right. you know,
2: I'm the he, mediator.
3: I'm, so, That's right. uh, so if, you know, if I want to talk to Holly, you have to go through Lee. <laughs> so, <laughs> and
2: Lee's a tsunami artist as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah, we got to say that, you know, big shout out to Keith, you know, Stickney. How um, about just a little shout out? No, huge. Little. A huge <laughs> shout out. Huge. Um, can, so, so that relationship basically uh give us a little uh synopsis on that the the tsunami bergantino relationship
3: go ahead lee i'll let you um
0: well we've always i mean i've always admired keith's
4: cables i've been using them since he started and they're still going strong so one thing you know cables pretty simple you've got to transfer the signal without any degradation but one of the big things for me and probably you guys too as gigging musicians is They have to be reliable Mm -hmm. um and keith's are he he's wielding the soldering iron himself when you call the company you're talking to keith so um he came over day four nam you know how day four is we're all punch drunk and kind of said hey we should think about doing something together and we just started talking and rapping we're like yeah this makes perfect sense so we just started out and we uh three items just Two speak-ons, uh, different lengths, a three and a six-footer, and then a 15-foot instrument cable right now, um, <laughs> both in this, uh, you know, Bergantino kind of matrix design, as Teeth calls it. Nice. Um, really high quality. All the connectors are, are top of the line. So we're just really happy to be working with them, and we'll just see where it goes in the future, you know? Lee, the- I've got a—this
2: is going to hard number to fathom—I have over a thousand performances Man. on my original set of Tsunami Cables, and I've been with them eight years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No issue. Wow. Without my original set, I still have. and
1: yep. still. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, too, Tony, one of the things, um, I think years ago when I was looking at other cables before Tsunami, when people were saying lifetime guarantee kind of thing, most of, most of the other uh, commercial cables out there rate their lifetime as three years. And it, it's all in the fine print. So for you to say, "Yeah, I've had these for eight years, one thousand gigs," that's that's a that's a yeah, big uh, statement. I,
3: mean, yeah. I can tell from looking at the cables that you know they're not going anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you'd lose it before it would go down. You know, before.
2: another company that I used beforehand, and I wasn't an official endorser or anything. Um, that were a lifetime, and mm-hmm. I had three. I had a problem with one of the three sets in one year. Wow. Three, went down three times in one year. Yeah. Wow. So. Oh,
3: and they anymore. always go down when, when you can't afford for them to go down. It's not like a cable's going to tell you, I'm going to go down in the middle of this song or or, or during <laughs> the... It, you know, it just happens when you're least expecting it and can not afford to have it happen. Well, so.
2: Two of those three times was live. Oh. Mm. So it's like, I can't afford to do that. Uh, yep. I talked to a couple other people, uh, Damien Erskine, and he's like, he told me about uh, Keith, and
3: I haven't changed yet. You know, I just you know like I think uh, I don't know if it was Lee or Steve was was saying, but it, it, you know when somebody is the face of the company that you're talking to, um, you know that they they care. You know what I mean? It, it, and, and that they're you know that it's their name on the company or they're the, the person that answers the phone and um, and, and I, I think as you know, we've, I, you know, one of the things that I enjoy when people call, and first of all, they're like, they, they can't believe I'm picking up the phone. <laughs> awesome. um, I said, well, if I don't pick it up, no one will. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, but I think we, as a society, I think we're kind of like look missing that customer service that we grew up with when, when the company mm-hmm. yeah. was smaller. And, and, and you know, the, you were actually talking to you know, a designer or somebody who actually actually's name is on the, you know, the product. And, you know, so many of these larger companies have been bought so many times that by the time you get through to somebody that can help you, you've already had to, you know, rent another piece of gear for a month or, or a couple of weeks because, you know, you can't get, you can't even get an answer, never mind you know, a potential service that you need. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a lost, I don't know. No, I don't think art's the right word, but you know what I'm saying. It's a, a lost service. I think we all we don't realize what we you know we you know we sometimes are short sighted and not realizing. Sometimes these smaller companies, um, they, you know, they they're more specialized. They, they 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 go the extra mile. That, like I, like I was talking earlier, I look at my products as something where I rather spend an extra you know dollar versus ten cents on a part and and give you that difference then say, well, you know, I can save 90 cents times X amount and put it to my bottom line and still sell it every day of the week because my name is XYZ. And um, so, you know, I think, you know, something like Keith and, you know, hopefully, us that, you know, that's what people realize is that, you know, look, we're not perfect. I'm not saying we don't have a, you know, casual problem or something happens. But it's what you do when something does happen and you'll always be known for your customer service in some respects more than you'll be known for your product itself. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's the, the comfort that people take in any brand is the customer service aspect that before they even buy it. Yeah,
0: fantastic man. Please just leave, can, can I mention yeah, one yeah, thing please. before we go? Uh-huh. Everyone
4: to check out their latest issue of Bass Player, turn to page 10 to check out this handsome fat yes. yes. that, man that's right. our guys, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh,
1: yep.
4: how cool is that kudos oh, is, uh, i just awesome. wanted to mention that that was cool was I know, I know. and
2: i are john's biggest fans actually yes
4: <laughs> we are
0: all this crew yeah but man so uh, seriously thank you so much for doing this we are just so glad to kind of be a part of this and uh, we're going to put this out uh, this will be the out i think uh this coming weekend and we'll tag everybody and i'll put all the you know everybody's email but i'm i'm just it's amazing to talk to you guys and we just all of us we just love what you're doing and I'm glad that you guys are healthy during this crazy time and hopefully all this crap is wiped yeah. down and we can get yeah. back to life as we knew it damn it and get out there and put your ass off. so mm-hmm um yeah on um, i mean just thanks thanks for joining i'm going to stop recording but we're and we'll still gonna... all hang on for a moment we'll yeah. all hang on and keep talking this is where the real talk happens and we say goodbye oh, to oh, everybody the dirt so yeah
3: these are these the bloopers
0: these are the bloopers <laughs> exactly so all right hang on guys and everybody thanks for uh watching and listening all right